eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we are back. We'll explain briefly why we missed last week, but no big deal. Texas took the week off. We took the week off. Got a game week to talk about. We'll talk about some residuals from the Oklahoma State game because I know people are dying to hear some of our opinions, and uh, we will also get to this week's game at Kansas State. Let me Before I bring in the rest of the team and we move on, However you're listening, wherever you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation and supporting 10 years of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click the follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And get over to Horns 24-7. That's where you can find the podcast. Also, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news notes and nuggets. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. It's all available for you at Horns 24-7. Now let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler, back from the dead. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. Yes, I was the reason why there was no show. It was got bit by the COVID bug, I think, at the Texas-Iowa <laughs> State game, and then had some complications afterwards, and my face turned into elephant man, but then got healthy by about Wednesday last week. The daggum Rona jumped up and bit it, but it's good to uh, it's good to have you back, Matt. It's good to have you back. I'm glad to be form. back, and thank y'all. Uh, right. A man who's always in top form, sick or not, and a man who knows a little something about what it takes to win a football game in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, he wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge from 3 to 7 each and every day. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinals for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the Fort Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. 
And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I appreciate that intro as always, brother. Rod B, I know I tell you this whenever it comes up, usually every other year. You realize you were part of a Texas team that won in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Manhattan, Kansas in the same year. Yeah, I didn't realize at the time that that would be such a rare feat. Winning in games in Lincoln, Nebraska years. was a big deal at one point in yeah, time. Yeah, but Texas has Lincoln, has Nebraska's number. They always have. True. Yeah, we're basically what killed where, Nebraska. I've thought yeah. about it afterwards, but like Nebraska was the best in the country when the Big 12 came in in 96. Yeah. You beat them, and I believe Mac went, what, 9 and 1 until the yeah. very end against Some them? teams just own some other teams. Hey, we just watched Monday Night Football. Yeah. The, the, the Bengals can't beat the Browns. <laughs> yeah. They can't. I mean, they own them. And Shano, for the most part, can yeah. always beat Sean McVay. It's weird. Some cultures, yeah. footballs, it's just matchups. Styles clash. Yeah, the purple up. kryptonite always beats Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, not always, but most of the time. Chris Kleiman is yet to beat Texas. Disproportionately. But, uh, yeah, he does. He, we'll he's a damn happens. good coach. This might be his sorrow. year. You know who, who has made a habit of beating Texas lately? That's Mike Gundy has made a habit of beating Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the Oklahoma State game because I think a lot of it ties in with this game, whether you're talking about winning on the road Blowing another double-digit lead in the second half, losing another game where you let it halftime, losing another game where you had the lead at some point in the fourth quarter. Uh, it all ties together. It goes on and on. And, Rod, I, I want to start with something that you pointed out a few weeks ago, and I've been trying to monitor it, and more I think about your point, I think it, it might be maybe the most valid criticism of Sark as a play caller. And I think that is his impatience. And I think that if you look, if if you want to sum up what cost Texas against Oklahoma State, I think it was impatience. The patience that he's going to have to have in Manhattan on Saturday. Didn't have the patience. They kept trying to take deep shot after deep shot after yeah. deep shot, which is exactly what Derek Mason and Oklahoma State wanted Texas to do. Like, yes, by all means, keep throwing it deep because we're going to keep playing too high coverage and as good as Quinn Ewers is, we don't think he's yeah, well, going to be able to complete. Deep and not just throwing it deep, throwing deep to the same guy. Yeah, well, even though seventeen he's targets double, for Xavier Worthy, he's that game. double covered, and that started happening early in the game. So it is, it's it's weird for Sark, like because he he was getting big plays. They were getting big plays in the run game, mm-hmm. big giant chunk yardage plays. I think for Sark as a quarterback, he wants that play, that big chunk yardage play in the passing game. Yeah, that's what satisfies him. That's what feeds his play-calling ego, mm-hmm. and when he doesn't get it, he becomes, there's almost play-calling insecurity, and then he's, all, he's searching for it. Yeah. And he's grabbing at it for the rest of the game, even though it, it's it, obvious that they're doubling X-Man, so they're taking him away, and that your quarterback ain't got it early mm-hmm. on that game. Those are two things you had mm-hmm. going working against you, and, the and also they had a decent pass rush because they have a really good defensive line, a veteran D-line, and Sark, for, for whatever reason, even though he had just learned that same lesson last week against Iowa State, <laughs> that yeah. when you know when when your quarterback doesn't necessarily have it, all right, doesn't necessarily have his best stuff, and the the defense, right? Obviously, there are a lot of different trends working against you there. That you should just put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo, and he couldn't, he couldn't or didn't really do that effectively. Uh, I think it came back to haunt him again. Yeah. Yep. And he's really admitted it when you listen to this week's press conference. He talked about his mistakes of, you know, not being calling the right runs at the right time, getting himself out of the rhythm, that he made the mistake of not running it enough and not the right ones, and also yep. admitted and subtly thrown in that he has to 
have his play calls be impacted or at least weigh in that atmosphere, meaning the weather and like Oklahoma State, that stadium's an odd oh, your one. quarterback? Yeah, and I mean, the <laughs> winds there were as high of winds as you can find in a college football game this season in a stadium that's impacted by wind. Statistically, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the fourth worst of all stadiums out of the 131 FBS stadiums in your quarterback's you could tell the ball's not going exactly where it wants. Who knows if the fingernail thing was an issue or anything. And add all those things on top of what you just exactly. said and all those, it just leaves that recipe where he's trying to find it. And when you start to try to find that and then you break your own rhythm, it can get the timing of your play calls off, which is sort of what he was talking about with the run too because you're really not going to be able to get the benefits or the rewards you're supposed to if you would have actually you know, not had the deep ball here or there get you behind schedule because you're an offense that can – you know, statistically, you can get it all back in one play because you've done it. You're one of the best at getting first downs on first or second down. So he feels as if he can get away with it. But then when you get behind the chains, it's harder to get those because the defense can pin back and come at you. And it really does impact you more than you maybe think it does. Something you mentioned, Matt, that I think it, it ties in here, the the win part of it. This ties into the, the most the most frustrating drive I thought the offense had all, all game against Oklahoma State. Where the wind was, and you got to remember, Boom Picking Stadium, it's an east west setup, and with a north south wind, it was cutting across. Well, the one, the one end zone where it really impacts you is the one end zone Texas was driving into in the fourth quarter. Uh, just because of the way the stadium is set up, it like cuts right through. I know you couldn't really see it with the, the flags on the goalposts, yeah, but the, the American flag was in that, that corner, and you could see it. It's just a stiff wind cutting across the stadium. So the drive that I thought was the most frustrating drive of the game was the drive that ended with Burt Auburn's missed field goal. You start out, you get a 20-yard crosser to Jaleel Billingsley on the first play of the drive. Then in order, Bijan for 13, Bijan for 9, Roshan for 5, Bijan for 3. That takes you to second and seven at the Oklahoma State 28. You throw that, I don't know what it was, to Keelan Robinson that little oh yeah why they had they had him out the number one spot yeah. at receiving they read, basically ran like a hitch route with yeah him. And, I don't know what that was all about that was and weird. then <laughs> the pass in the end zone to Worthy and then you yeah. got to bring and up that was Worthy's team. fault yeah I mean, that was a good throw the the, the point is like the pass game it just it wasn't clicking and whereas the week before like you just played out Rod Sark had looked at it and said you know what I'm just gonna give the ball to my two backs and just let them carry us to the finish line. You had the opportunity to do that right here you did. in in a game where it's a tie game at that point, and you didn't do it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He and it's the thing about the passing game, which, which was weird because there were some elements early on that were working, and mm-hmm. you could see late in the game that Quinn Ewers started to figure some things out, even yes. a little bit on that drive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, the stuff to Jaleel Billingsley, uh, Jatavion Sanders, they started to figure out some little things. It wasn't consistent at all, but at least he started to figure it out. And for Sark, I'm just a little upset that he couldn't get his quarterback in a rhythm. He could not get his quarterback. He could not get him back on track. I'm trying to rhyme like Dr. Seuss. Uh, but he couldn't get him back in the groove. And I thought that was one of the things that he and Sark had, you know, Quinn and Ewers and Sark had this, you know, relationship, this, um, you know, this compatibility, if you will, that Sark would be able to get him back in the groove. And and the way to do it was pretty simple. It was some of the – man, the, the, t- the touchdown to X-Men, right, the orbit return motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, held the touchdown to Bijan, which was basically a dump off, but it was like a half wheel. He just mm-hmm. threw it really early. He was so wide open, he didn't have to run the full wheel. <laughs> he knew, yeah. yeah he just, Why – there's – there's very little um, schematic 
uh, advantage in the passing game at times, and then sometimes it is almost brilliant. It's flashing, like it's all, it's all right. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so, uh, it's, it's so evident that you know that was a schematic advantage. He schemed that guy open because it was either a coverage bust, but he form, formationally or with a personnel package or with the pre snap motion was able to scheme that guy open. And I'm just wondering, like during the game when your quarterback is struggling, why not have more of that? You put X Man in the backfield for the first time. All year mm-hmm. long, I've been mm-hmm. I've been saying they're gonna do it forever. Thought they were gonna do it with Jay Witt. Did it with Jay Witt last year. Never ran a route with him, but they put an X man in the backfield. Ran a route with him. Boom, got the first down. I think it was an easy seven eight yard pickup. Mm-hmm. And then why did I touchdown. only see it one time? You yeah. know what I mean? Like why did I only see it one time? Right? You know the old thing with the orbit return motion. Like why do you don't see that one? Why is it only with X men? Why not? Why not build on it and layer on that? Why yeah. not have X men actually come around and for you know for the reverse? Right or hit him on the other side. Like his, his his play calling almost is eccentric and but also to me seems schizophrenic at times where he doesn't layer and build on the play call. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, like I said, the orbit return motion came out of nowhere and never saw it again. Yeah. Andrew Carrick went out for a route, first play of the game, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Big 12 package where they have the six line package, and he just went out for a route, and it was just, that's it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I like to see play calling with Easter eggs where you're essentially, I can go back in from the fourth quarter and go back to a play or two plays in the first half or in the first quarter and go, see, he was setting that guy up As for said, that Brian play. Harsons. He was setting him up for that play. There are so like many great play callers that do that. They they layer off their play calling. And with Sark, I'm not saying he doesn't do it at all. But man, some of his plays are just like I said, it's it it's it's sporadically brilliant. It comes out of nowhere. But then why don't I see it again? Why why yeah. X Man in the backfield only one time? If it worked, do it again. The Keelan Robinson play. Especially it's an RPO where Keelan Robinson comes in. It's the only uh, catch he had, I believe, though, is a 19-yard play where basically he goes in motion, and if the linebacker goes with him and shifts out with him, he knows pretty easy, oh, you know what, I'm going to hand off this RPO. But the linebacker doesn't shift out with him, so he knows, oh, easy, I'm throwing it out to Keelan Robinson. He got like 19 yards on that play. Never saw it again. Never saw anything close to it again. I'm like, what? what, 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 Do it again. Play the hits. Yep. Play the hits then. You Make know what them I mean? stop like, it. I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, sometimes the play calling is just, like I said, I don't understand how you can't use those easy, what do you call it, advantage throws to get your quarterback in the groove. Why is he, if he ain't got it, why is you trying to push the ball downfield? Tell him, yeah, we can have a route downfield, but that's not the route we're pushing. That's yeah. not the route that we're promoting here. The route we're looking for here, Quinn, is going to be one of these intermediate or short or quick game routes. Yeah. Uh, we're just using that. And we don't use basically X-Man as a decoy for most of this game now. And if they're going to continue to double a decoy, that's just going to help us and out. And that's exactly Never where use it. It, yeah. you look at the entire game in the play call and we're talking about, you know, just continuing to go downfield. And it's a big reason why I think that he struggled so much against the three safety teams also in this situation with too high up top. And it was something that we've seen even the elite quarterbacks. Like if you watch Patrick Mahomes at the beginning of last year till about week seven, he really didn't have the patience. And Andy Reid really talked about, you know, working with him, but – you could see guys that throughout their careers shift that. Like Peyton Manning was one. He would read it and take the handoff underneath if it's mm-hmm. too high his whole career. He'd live underneath to Marvin Harrison. Aaron Rodgers has been you know, considered conservative because he will take that dump off those under throws because he's reading what the defense is giving him. And in these scenarios, it's really tough to see a coach possibly – not be calling the plays to put his player in that situation to be successful because you can sort of 
have it not even necessarily be the quarterback's fault if, like, your first read, like you're saying, primaries are down above, and then you're just hoping that he dumps it down afterwards. When you have that easy money, take that throw underneath, you can, especially when you're on the road, you have weather with all these uh, mm-hmm. multiple factors that add on top of it. You should just be able to be able, some games be happy with dumping down Bijan out of the backfield. Man, that's one on one in space. That's what the entire Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. offense is on getting guys like him yep. the ball in space, short, high percentage throws. It's the principles that you heard, you know, Mike Leach talk about 20 years ago with the air raid and being able to go and move the chains, even if, say, your O-line is, isn't playing as well as they had earlier in the season and things along those lines that the play caller really can help the offense when the offense needs to help just keep that success rate up and you end up seeing Texas fail on drives whenever you have the easy candy there, but it's because you're going for that eye candy, something deep downfield. Uh, Sar- Sark's play calling rod reminds me at times of like what we used to see from Art Browse at Baylor, like early in his tenure, where what was the knock on Art Browse? Like, man, just play back and force them to to dink and dunk down the field, and at some point they'll press, they'll take a shot when they shouldn't, they'll have a penalty, they'll mess themselves up. It's like the opposite of a Greg Davis. And at some point, at some point, guys get over that. And I think I think for young play caller, for play callers experience a new conference or whatever on a new landscape, I think that does take some time to adjust to or at some point you do settle in. But to some of the stuff Matt's talking about, and you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago too, Rod, the one thing, the one thing that people can use against Quinn Ewers right now is his inexperience. Mm-hmm. That to me is Derek Mason putting together a game plan saying, I know Sark is going to be impatient, which in turn, that's going to bleed into his young quarterback because he just doesn't know any better. If the play caller's impatient, Quinn doesn't know what he doesn't know at this point, and is and that impatience is going to bleed off on your quarterback to where now he's thinking, okay, I got I got to hit the shot. And we he gotta, has an arm that's made hit those shot. throws in previous years at lower levels of football. Because I yeah. think Quinn is the kind of quarterback too. We talked about it, like what gets him in a rhythm. I think it's hitting that deep shot. I think once you hit that first deep shot, he's like, okay, boom, now we're rolling, now we're off and running. So that. it's just they've they've just got to make that adjustment, man. Because I guarantee you, K State's going to show you the same stuff. Yeah, they're going to be in a two high shell and show you something. No, they're going to be in, they're going to be in three high. They 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 yeah. got some three high last game yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so they'll break out two high, three high. They're really multiple and diverse. So they'll throw a ton at them. Yeah. Got to be happy with being taking the boring throw, the boring play, especially in these road environments, especially as the weather's getting worse and like that's. A, a sign of maturity from an elite quarterback and also mm-hmm. the play caller that has to be married with them to be on the same page because I really don't think it can't be pointed out enough how much that can really help the offense. Yeah, it takes the top end off, but you can't always want the top end. If the defense is giving you something, you have to take that and be happy with 10 plays, 80 yards. That's where you also can't commit penalties. It's sort of like the philosophy if you watch the modern-day NFL, and they're just like, no, we aren't going to let you take it out the top. We're going to make them do it 10 10 for 80 on this drive. I bet they're going to make a mistake. They're going to have some type of penalty that's going to set them behind the chains. One thing or two things goes wrong, then that drive stalls out, and that's sort of just a way that a lot of defenses are playing football these days. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point, too, where I think the biggest knock on this defense – when this defense isn't at their best, is just when they're overexposed. And to your point, Matt, yep. that to me, like, and it's hard. Those like are in, married together too. Well, like in theory, you think, okay, like, and I've said this, like, double-digit play drives aren't something you can bank on, especially on the road. But if you're taking what they give you, I mean, 
an eight, nine, ten play drive where you put it in the end zone, man, and, and you bleed enough time off the clock, that could be, depending on who you're playing, if you're playing an up-tempo team, it'll certainly cut into it, but I don't care who you're playing. That'll cut down the number of plays your defense is on the field. I mean, look. When, it's happening to the Buccaneers what, right now in the NFL. They're what, doing the same what, thing. What Texas. games would you say this Texas defense has been at their best? Right? What Alabama. Games have they yeah. been at their best? Okay, Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. Plays gone. they faced, 63. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about uh, Oklahoma? 59 plays. Yep, limit them. Even that. Iowa State, 64. How, let's look at just look at the three losses. Texas Tech, 99. Well, Alabama was one of those losses, but they've placed 99 plays against Texas Tech, 98 against Oklahoma State. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up, too, because it was something that we started paying a close attention to back during the Charlie Strong, the end of the MAC and the beginning of the Charlie Strong era, because Texas still had on a per-play basis elite. Like, they were the best in the Big 12 if you look at yards per play. But Texas wasn't getting as many plays, and at the time, that was when the spread really blew up and you had all of these teams like Baylor and TCU and Tech running, you know, 80 plays to Texas's 55, and over time it wears you down. It's yeah. the same thing that in the NFL, the Buccaneers, a lot of their problem is because they're just wanting to throw and throw and throw 50, 60 times, and then when you get those three and outs stacked up, your really good defense can be really good if it can be in its situations, but then whenever it's getting put back out on the field one or two or three more times than they're used to, a lot more vulnerable, and it can snowball in a negative way the way it also did for Texas football last year. And like I said, Matt, play differential is something that since you turned me on to that stat many years ago, I tried to track it, and usually like when the offense starts to sputter, and these losses is really where it happens, when the offense starts to bog down in the second half, you'll start looking like at the end of the first half, the play disparity, it's like within – five to seven plays, which might be a drive, might be a possession or whatever. But, like, I've noticed, like, the Tech game, I noticed this game, there were times, like, in one quarter, the play disparity, by, by the end of the quarter, it goes from being, like, three or five or seven, one way or the other. Like, the opponent's, like, plus 20. It happened to the Bengals last night against the And the defense Browns. is on the field too dang much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I think the defense... I don't know if I want to blame their issues on the offense. The offense well, I'm not blaming issues. them on it. No, no, I'm just saying yeah. I don't necessarily just want to, to go there. My, my, my concern with the defense is that defense has not really adjusted to what I obviously help, have been talking about here for the last six weeks actually now. There's that too, yeah. Since UTSA game, um, there have been two big issues. Defense. They cannot defend Middle. the second-level inside-breaking routes, period. From zero to nineteen yards in between the numbers, they just cannot do it. It's just it has not improved. It will not improve. That's yeah. just who they are defensively. They had a bye week. Let's hope they got better at it. But that's where you attack Texas. Been saying it, and more and more, the deeper they get in the Big Twelve play, the more teams are doing it. Yeah, and they can't stop uh, defensively. They can't really read and react well to bunch concepts, starburst routes, condensed sets, f- minus splits, whatever you want to call it. Because when they can't get their hands on you or try to reroute you, you got them. Mm-hmm. Once you got Texas DBs on their heels, they just don't really, for me, they don't read route combinations really well. And that is hurting them because it hurt them in the Iowa State game. That's pretty much all Iowa State too. did all day, yeah. Um, and and I, I said after the Tech game that was going to be the case, Iowa State's done it to perfection. Oklahoma State's version of it was just kind of stacked twins. But Iowa State, I mean, Iowa State was what, on third and longs, I believe they were, 10, they were like 10 of, oh, something like that. I mean, they were like 10 of 16 or something. They like were that. four for six on third and nine plus. Third and nine way. plus. So yeah. maybe they were eight if you look at third and seven plus. Yeah. But if you look at those six, those uh, six third and nine plus, 
I believe four of those conversions, they used that tripod bunch formation. Mm -hmm. Um, They threw to it uh, three times, and the other time, I believe, they ended up using it as a decoy most of the time. Put Xavier Hutchins on the opposite side of it. The Oklahoma State game, it was the slant route. They couldn't stop the slant. Mm -mm. Mm. They ran slant all day, every day. Ran post routes. Um, They couldn't stop it. They just, I don't know. They really couldn't figure out a way to use and maximize inside leverage, which has been their issue all year long. So, to me, yeah, we can blame the defense for being overexposed. Yes, that is one of the reasons, I guess. But, man, if you can't stop the simple slant route, it's really probably the first or second route that kids learn how to run when they're first embarking on on 7-on-7 or flag football at the lowest levels. Texas can't stop it right now. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. They either leave, even when they're in sometimes in bump and run coverage, they still leave the inside leverage wide open. And guys just are running a simple slant route. It's just, you know, it's just simple timing, simple execution. And Texas won't prioritize stopping it. Maybe they've already decided, hey, we'll give that up. I, I think it's stupid. Because it's it's I hope that's you've given them up. You've given them up. So basically teams are attacking you. Here, I got the here you go. Okay, so here's the the Oklahoma State ran the slant route. This is just in the fourth quarter. They went uh, third and eight. They went with a slant route, got ten yards. First and ten, that was a double slant, got eight yards. It was a first and ten slant, got fifteen yards on that one. Second and go motion to the trips motion with a slant. That was a touchdown, quick slant by Brendan Presley. Third and six slot ran slant, ten yards on that one. Um, second and six, they had the double slant. That's a touchdown, 41 yards. It was just a simple slant. Yeah. And they just didn't make the tackle, ended up running for the touchdown. Those three routes alone, uh, two quarterbacks, Hunter Deckers and Spencer Sanders. Hunter Deckers, by the way, his best performance ever in his career as a passer, and a hurt, limped-up Spencer Sanders, who we saw K-State pretty much humiliate out there. Uh, 77% completion percentage, actually over that, but I round down. Help Texas. 77% completion percentage. 66% first down or touchdown rate whenever they target one of those routes. Two out of every three. 66, I round down, by the way. 66% of the time they target one of those three routes. They, they got a first down or a touchdown in the last two weeks. 44% of the time. All right. 44% of the time it resulted in explosive play, which is a 15-plus yard pass play. Yep. Mm. It is the route, th- those three routes, if they don't learn how to defend them against K State, K State's going to eat them alive with it. Because pretty much two of those, depending on if you really want a deep post, Texas, they, they run a deep post. Now, Texas has forced an incompletion on 16% of those pass attempts. So give Texas credit. There's an interception. Jalen Ford got an interception in the end zone on one of those. And you got two PBUs. So shout out to Texas getting their hands on some of those footballs. But if you don't reverse some of those trends, man, K State is going to eat you up. No, no pun intended the Wildcats up, but they're going to eat you up. Because I've been pointed out since the UTSA game and going to the Tech game, and now I think everybody else is starting to see the same film that I've been watching. Clean it up, Texas. Fix it. Fix yeah. it now. It is the biggest issue with this defense right now. There's no issue bigger that is plaguing this defense right now. Their inability to cover the slant, the glance, and the post. Yep. Guarantee you. 100%. Not, it is the biggest issue. They rush defense is okay. What about missed tackles? No missed tackles. You can just run to the football. You can fix all that. You can fix a, a lot of things you, you got to worry about and you can fix. Even the second level stuff doesn't concern me as much because I think they're getting a little bit better at it and health will help that too. 
This is it, guys. That's oh, it. Oh, yeah, for this sure. This is it. And right. We've been pointing it. I mean, we talked about it after the <laughs> Iowa State game. It was the only way Iowa State was scoring touchdowns. And then we were talking about it. that's going to be the difference against Oklahoma State going into it. And even according to the players in the postgame press conference, they said the focus was to take out yeah. the middle of the field. I was, ask, I was asking those questions. They said it was Stillwater, human error. Yeah. I heard them, and, yeah, you were spot on. You asked them. The players said that was a game plan. They just had many mistakes in human error, which is – Frustrating, but still, at least maybe they at least see it. They just can't stop it. No, we were point. We pointed it out all week. I know we talked about it on the podcast. You talked about it on your show. I talked about it on my show. Talked about it on the site. Like this is where Texas struggles. We we know how much Mike Gundy likes utilizing the slot receivers. So that's where they're going to attack. And especially, I even talked about it with you and Hards on a pregame show because right before I came on was when we got the injury report that Braden Johnson was out. I'm like, well, if their number one threat on the outside is out. What else are they going to do other than attack the middle of the field? Like, there's literally like, you, you just trust your that your corners on the outside can cover their their freshmen, their inexperienced outside receivers and man to man, and and devote all your resources to stop in the middle of the field, and they couldn't do it. No, I I don't. Yeah, I, like I said I I don't know what to say because Spencer Sanders. I understand why other quarterbacks you'd fear them being able to hit it deep, like even with Will Howard or you know Adrian Martinez coming up. That's going to be a different story because they actually can threaten. Other parts, dimensions well, of Howard's the field. Been really good throwing the ball deep, by the way. Exactly, but Spencer Sanders, he physically could not throw the ball mm-hmm. deep yeah. or outside the numbers with any velocity or accuracy in the game. Before and us it, was, it was so simple: pack the middle of the field, pack the middle, and have inside leverage and take away the quick game. And Texas did neither of those things late in the game. No. And all they did adjust to was wide receiver screens and swing routes for the running backs and then slants. That, that's, all they did. that's all they threw. Wide receiver screens, slants, and then running back swings. That's it. And they beat Texas throwing those three routes with Spencer Sanders. <laughs> is, there, is there anything, Rod, other than, other than just – because, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just seeing guys just straight up just give up inside leverage on those routes. Like, that's a start, right? Well, yeah, as I say, if they're playing man coverage, you would think that they would start with inside leverage. So if they're playing man coverage with head up to outside shades, this is not really the man coverage that I was taught. Yeah. Especially when you're on the outside and you can use the sideline. So I have no idea why they're just giving up easy inside leverage, especially like after Iowa State hurt you with it and then Oklahoma State comes the next week and says, you know what, we're just going to do the same thing. And Oklahoma State, they – they waited to do it like late. It was like an adjustment for them. Yep, and that was a game where Sanders on his yeah. numbers. What stood out to me too was like how ineffective Texas's blitz were. When he wasn't blitz, Spencer Sanders was below average, mediocre at NFL passer rating of sixty nine. But when blitzed, it was hundred twenty nine. He went ten for fifteen, hundred seventy seven yards in a TD. Uh, no point blitzing because everything came out quick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Stupid reason. Exactly. Stupid to blitz. What they should have did was go honestly. Oklahoma State's running game was so ineffective. Hell, they gave up on it. Gundy yeah. complained about it all year half. long. Yeah. It's it in in the modern football game with your defensive line being the strength. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you have to adjust just to your personnel and to the actual like you know situation and circumstance you're in. You need you should have went light boxes. Like why the hell are you trying to match your your guys can beat they guys. You, hell, there's some teams in the, NFL, the Buffalo Bills and like the Rams. Some teams they play light boxes all the damn time, mm-hmm. which means you have fewer defenders and they have blockers. And you go, man, that's recipe for disaster. Well, not really. Now when they can't block my D line up front, yeah, they can't. They couldn't block them. 
So especially when the rush, so I'd have went. Luxury I'd have, having it. Yeah, I'd have went with a lighter box, and I'd have went. Honestly, I'd probably went with a really shallow two man under technique. All of my DBs playing bump and run inside leverage, but they can trail everything and they can jump everything because I got two safeties behind you deep. Yeah. You're good, but I know he can't really throw it deep, so even they're gonna be playing shallow. And then that allows you either to, since you're light anyway, you can keep a, a spy there. Because I think, honestly, their run game was just, I don't even know what they ended up averaging, but they could not run. They couldn't run the ball going in, and they couldn't run the ball in the game. No, to your point, Rod, on their run game, I just look at explosive plays. Uh, they had one run of more than 16 yards. They had three explosive runs, two scrambles by Spencer Sanders, exactly. one for 11 and one for 16, and then the Jaden Nixon 51-yard and, run. And what was their first down, second down pass rate, like 60%? They started because th- their run game was so ineffective. They yeah, started throwing me. the football as an extension of the running game. So they were just doing swings, swing routes, and they were doing like really uh, quick wide receiver screens. They ended up throwing like sixty percent on first down. So they were doing your yep. job for you. They were taking a run game away anyway. You're so go like box, put your guys inside, let them play bump and run, take away the quick game. All right, let them jump everything because they were running slants, inside cuts all day long. Put a safety over the top just in case they want to test you, but they wouldn't because Mister Sanders on can't do it and then put a spy on them and you got it like it, it <laughs> yeah and you're to your the numbers were 61 percent pass rate on first down Thank for you, Matt. I was state. To find it. yeah it's 39 percent run rate on first down for okie state in that game it was 61 and the yards uh, before contact was 0.9 for okie state that game is, and after it was 2.7 after contact so three six or us it wasn't because it was loading the box dude they, they, they couldn't run it yeah. anyway they couldn't run it versus the light box this is Jaden nixon 51 minus two minus one two eight three one two that was his carries. Dominic Richardson, if I can get this thing to work. Dominic Richardson, 0 4 4 2 1 2 1 1 1 2 2 5 minus 1. I'd say this I'm putting my best four run stoppers on the field. Put your best four run stoppers down there as your as your front four. All right. I'd say, listen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be two man under. Y'all go, y'all go bump and run inside leverage hard, jumping everything. Because he's throwing everything quick. All right, and we're going to rally to all of those swing routes to the running backs in, in the flats because mm-hmm. that's basically all they were throwing that to. But if you're – I can't run a wide receiver screen. If, I'm, if everybody's bumping run up there, go ahead. Please do. Yeah. All right, it's going to get stopped real quick. I, I just don't understand sometimes. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, uh, sometimes they don't watch the same film I'm watching. Football and no, and, is a simple game, Rod, made complicated by simple men. And uh, your frustrations are spot on, too, because when you look at the difference yeah. in why Texas fans sometimes, because you can look at this team, and if you were to go and put them against any team in the country, according to Vegas, there are five teams Texas wouldn't be favored against. Those five at the top, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, yeah. Okie State, and yeah. Michigan. Texas is going to be favored. Bill Conley still has it's, them sixth in the country. Yeah. And the difference is in these little margins when we talk about how does Texas— margins, it's called coaching. Well, Let's yes. be honest. It's no, that, no. You call it I margins. Agree. I agree. Sorry, we call, it's called coaching. It's a chess match within the game. It's Agreed. a lack of adjustments. That's why he That's has seven— That's what I'm getting seven, to. <laughs> no, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. You're being nice about it. I'm, well, nice I'm about not it. trying to be it's nice about it. It's coaching or lack thereof. Semantics. And that's why against a guy like Mike Gundy, if he knows he's shorthanded and he knows that you got better personnel than him, it didn't matter because it's a four-quarter game. And if it was a, Texas is the best three-quarter team in the country, let's be honest, all right? Yeah. It can play with anybody in the country for three quarters, but that extra quarter always comes back to harm. And I, 
Don't know what. It, and like I said, I thought it was something that was just all all Sark, and it's not all Sark because something culturally is going on here too. Because I went and looked it up. I tweeted this out for those who didn't see it, but it's just where you start looking at it. Before arriving at Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian had been a head coach at 82 games and only lost seven games when leading at any point in the fourth quarter or overtime. Since becoming Texas head coach, he already has seven such losses in 20 games. He, he wasn't losing like these types of games when he was at Washington and USC. Well, nobody loses these types of games. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian had won 84%. Of his games when his teams held a halftime lead prior to coming to Texas, now he's at fifty-seven percent. Nationally, the average is eighty percent. Nobody loses games like that. Like I, said, I said this after the game. Double Ron. digit lead, ninety-one percent win percentage before coming to Texas. Now he's at sixty-four percent. People, these are this. It, it's it's hard to normalize this type of losing. You can lose. Everybody loses games. Yeah. But you're losing games, games you're supposed to in win. a way that nobody. Honestly, nobody in college football, yeah. and honestly, I'm sure if you look back in history, it would also be the same. Nobody loses games this way, in this manner, with this frequency, and it continues to happen. It's and like, the numbers not. even back it up. It's the most improbable win of it the is. college football year it's was so Texas weird. Tech. Over, but it's not weird because it's these little things that you just see them as you know a play here, a detail there, a few things. But when you stack them up and they become consistent, they're worth pointing out because those are the things where you can go from narrowly losing a game to being a team that wins by 10 and holds on to that comfortable see, lead. It's yeah. not – it's not. Sorry, Matt. I didn't say the margins wouldn't matter. No, no, I know no. what you were saying, but it's not no that they're needed. losing games. It's how they're losing games. Right? It seems that's why, like Rod, I don't want to. I, I think it might have been Joe Cook at Inside Texas that asked the question. Like honestly, I don't want to hear any talk about this team in a Big Twelve Championship game scenario at this <laughs> point. Because what? Why? Why? Explain. One of you two guys answer this for me. Why should I have any faith about Texas going on the road and winning a football game this weekend? I, I I don't know because Sark isn't good. His road record isn't good. Texas under Sark on the road, not good. And now both of their losses on the road this year have been the same. eerily similar they were the same. to the losses last season. Well, and, and that's yeah. sort of also the reason why you look at it and it's like, man, Texas should have a shot to do this because they're better. And because take off coaching, take off all those things, if you were to just look at these teams without labels, without names next to it, you'd be like, oh, that team should be 6-0 or 5-1. and But they're not. And they have three losses, and they're the one outlier that's like that. And we keep talking about this outlier continues to happen, which makes it not necessarily an outlier. It's a trend. Now it's yeah, now it's habit. Yes, I think we're past trend now. Well, it's it's no, this is habitual. This is un- until Sark, you know, changes the narrative. This is who they are and who he is as a coach right yeah. now. Yeah, and I Texas agree 100%. will be favored and every Texas game is, going forward. And by the way, for the fact, Texas is better. They're a better football team. But better ain't good enough, as y'all right. know. Like, that's just, come on now. Uh, yeah. We dropped the standards dead low. <laughs> They're better, but better ain't good enough. And I, th- I think for this fan base, Rod, like, I think, I don't know what percentage it is. Anybody listening out there, you can figure out the percentage. But it's it's more than, you know, it's somewhere around 50%, maybe more of this fan base. Mm-hmm. That and it's two different conversations you have to have about Sark at Texas right now. On one hand, you can look at Texas and say, and the three losses are about 10 points. One of them was to Alabama. Like, they're close. But I think for this fan base, they've had a decade plus of close. Yeah. Yeah. And there were, there were points toward the end with Mac where you felt like, okay, you got a chance to to get over the hump. And, mm-hmm. it didn't. and with Charlie, there were plenty of times where you felt like, maybe, maybe they're turning the corner. And they didn't. 
that turned a corner and slammed right into a wall. And there were times under Tom Herman where we thought, all right, they turned the corner. They're ready to turn over a new leaf and start anew. We're back. And it didn't happen. And so I think for the fans and for me following, like it's it's hard for me being on the beat covering this team. It's hard for me to just think they're going to flip a switch and just start winning these games mm-hmm. that they haven't won under Sark. If they do, great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess the one thing, if you want to look for, like, not a silver lining, but this group of players is a younger core that's his core. Maybe they can grow into something that is different than what we'd seen because you hadn't had continuity really at Texas for a decade. And the one common theme of all those previous teams we talked about was starting the reset button every three years. And if this team can survive the first three years, you might be able to see the continuity. But there have been a lot of frustrations along the lines, and you just hope that if Texas has the right players in line, maybe this group can grow out of those bad habits as they mature as, you know, upperclassmen. Yeah, they had to be tortured watching that Oklahoma State-K-State game and watching K-State put an old testament, mm-hmm. old biblical-style butt-whipping in Oklahoma State because they Oklahoma State – had, they wanted that. They were a wounded animal when they were at, in that last game versus Texas. They yeah. were physically wounded too. Uh, but yeah, man, Texas really, in my opinion, showed that they were even ready to match and overwhelm them with physicality early on with the running game because they broke out the counter, which was great. And then they adjusted to the counter. Um, I love that Mike Gundy said um, he said yeah, we 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 couldn't adjust on the sideline because it was too loud. He said they were trying to fix the counter on the sideline. He yeah. said the, their crowd was so damn loud, they couldn't even fix them. So imagine them. it had to be really tough for Texas. He yeah. said they had to go in halftime. He said usually he gives his what he calls his uh, you know, Newt Rockney speech, and he said he didn't. That usually takes like seven, eight minutes. He let the coaches do that. He told them, fix it, get it done. And essentially what they did was I think they just decided to spill uh, the counter and don't they didn't allow the uh, the tight end or whoever was pulling around they not allowed them to kind of seal the edge yeah. so there was, they 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 adjusted to the counter but my thing was if the counter is the one run concept you've identified that was your bread and butter and it seems like it was going into the game and it was highly effective early on why do you only have like two ways to run it. No, there's a run you were going to run, and hell, I me mean, should have hit them with, oh, no, we got 18 different ways to run the counter, baby. Because <laughs> there are. Yeah, this is exactly. You can run a traditional trap and run it tighter. You know what I mean? Like, because the thing with the run game is the, the best way to kill a zone run game is penetration. We know Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, they're an overly aggressive defense, exactly. right? So how do you counter penetration? Well, if you're getting up the field, if you're pulling guards and pulling tackles, pulling centers, tight ends, whoever, just run underneath it. With your counters and traps, Good. that's the best way to counter. That's the best. Pardon the pun, but that's the best way to counter it. Yeah, yeah. I get. It just seems. So to like, your point, Rod. Yeah, have multiple multiple versions of it. Why you didn't have? You seemed like they they stopped your two var- variations of it, and it seemed like I was like, oh, we don't have any well, other. Okay. Va- yeah, it's like, well, if that's the bread and butter, why not have different variations from different personnel groupings, stuff like that? Just didn't see enough of that from from Sark either. So, and I'm glad Sark, you know, he took blame for it. Said blame the play caller. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, we have been. Don't worry, Sark. That's fine. We've been blaming the play caller for like a year. You're good. <laughs> and I, and, I mean, and we and there's the, it's the double edged sword though because I agree in this one he totally did blow, but I do love seeing Texas throw it deep. But it's still like the idea that you have to know this game scenario, situation, your opponent, everything that involves being that play caller, and that's where you fail. It's called when feel you don't, for the game, yes. and Sark has a bad feel for the game. Yes, yeah. he's sort of stuck in just you know sort yeah. of like his young quarterback mind it seems like yeah i like i agree and I again like that. the frustration for me was it's Freudian. good job mm-hmm. i like that he didn't do exactly what we saw him do the week before 
he felt Quinn doesn't have the day. The passing game's not clicking. Like Casey Kane dropping that ball against Iowa State, that was like that was the equivalent of the seventy-one yard touchdown run by Will Howard last year, where Sark's like, "All right, enough." I'm done. We're just going to run the football. Even the early in the year last year on a road <laughs> game against TCU, he ran for to the end. He did. And, you know, and We've it was it. on a road game, so that's yeah. why I sort of was like, oh, maybe he will do something like that, but then didn't. And it's and then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but he has Quinn this year, so I see it. But then it's just it's like, fun. yeah, you're stuck in that situation. You've got, you've got, at a minimum, we'll see what happens with the bowl game, postseason, whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got at a minimum four games left with these two backs. And my goal for the offense, Rod, honestly, this is and I'm, I'm not I'm not lowering the bar, but this is the main thing I want to see. Don't get to the end of these four games and feel like, man, I left some meat on the bone. Wish I'd have gotten Roshan more involved. Wish I'd have found another different ways to get Bijan on the football. Oh, yeah, I agree. You that, got man. two. You got four more games with these two backs at right. a minimum. Yep, I, I'm I'm with you. I thought you'd see that in the Oklahoma State game, especially after the Iowa State game, and the way your quarterback started, and this, with the lead, because you had the luxury, like you need lead. to do it with the lead. You can't necessarily yeah. ride him if you're down by yeah. twenty. Yep. No, it is. It's 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 unsettling, but because like honestly, like I'm not saying he wouldn't, and I don't have any insight on this, but like if I'm Bijan and you're in the Liberty Bowl, why would I play in the Liberty Bowl? He probably Agreed. would, because that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, you're right, but. I would advise him. I'd advise against. I, 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 would, <laughs> I, mean, yes, I think young. they'll yeah. take his helmet away. You're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're good. Be sure. so you got good. Four, if, if I'm some young, Sark, Jelvin Brooks, Jay Brooks don't be our guy in this game. If I'm Sark, I would do it just because no one gets I tell him and Rojo, I'd be like, y'all ain't playing this game. Y'all need to go. Get yep. that break. I'm, tell, I'm <laughs> telling you right now, like, everybody can look at this and say, can Texas go 9 and 3? Maybe. They, they can. For yeah. Sure. But you could also they're be 5 be, and 7 at the end of this game. They're going to be yes, favored in every game going forward yeah. to end the year. You can very easily be 5 and 7. You can lose every last one of these games, but you can win every last one of these games. That is, unfortunately, life in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, and that's the state of Texas right now. And it's yeah. hard, man, Rod, it is hard to win on the road in this league. Texas has found that out. It's yeah. really hard to win on the road. Yeah, man. It's just, it will. It, the reason it is is because Texas is a young football team in a lot of ways. So they're just inconsistent. Like Texas playing Alabama at home. Man, juggernaut. Texas football. They're back. And then they go on the road, Texas Tech. And it's like, what? Is Texas Tech going to be a juggernaut? No, not really. <laughs> Texas is never back until <laughs> you know we win I mean? a championship. And then Texas comes back, has a players only meeting, beats the hell out of West Virginia. Makes you start thinking, West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big 12. <laughs> Turns out, no, nah, West Virginia's not the worst team in the Big 12. Texas just played at home. And when they play at home, they're a juggernaut. And then they played Oklahoma. Neutral site, not a true road game, more like a Texas home game because mm-hmm. Oklahoma knew they was about to get the. Break, beat, the brakes beat off them. So Texas does exactly that. Beat the hell out of Oklahoma. Everybody starts thinking, man, Texas looks like Texas could contend for the Big 12. Then you go on the road in hostile environment, away from home, away from the friendly confines, and everybody, coaches, players, quarterbacks, nobody has a consistent level of play, and you get beat. So that that's just that's what you are right now. You don't have a baseline of a, of a standard right now. So you don't play to a standard. You play to your competition, and you play to the environment. But that's all right. And it's even more amplified because, like, every team sort of struggles on the road and aren't as good and are a little better at home. seems like Texas is, is amplified both oh, yeah. ways. It's snowball. Like, good if point. you were to try to find a team that is the outlier in both directions, it probably is Texas. Their home field advantage probably affects the line the it's most. So, and yeah. I think right now, neutral field, if you look at the numbers – 
Texas should be about an eight-point favorite against K-State if you go neutral. If you go neutral, TCU, Texas is like a six-point favorite. But if you look at the line, Texas is only a two-and-a-half. One-and-a-half is what it opens. So we're talking they're giving Manhattan right now five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half points, and that's a lot more than you normally would. And I think that's a book seeing, no, this Texas team on the road isn't – they're twice as worse, double Mm -hmm. that home field advantage. Like forget – advanced statistics, raw numbers, I feel much more confident about Texas beating TCU and Baylor than I do about Kansas State and Kansas just because the TCU and Baylor games are at home. Oh, yeah. You got a shot. I'm with you. You got a bit. You got a real shot. Like, to I'm not – I haven't even, signature win. even looked at anything. Mm-hmm. I've watched I've watched those teams, whatever. Yep. But just because they're home games, I feel much better about TCU and Baylor than I do Kansas, Kansas No, State. I'm with you. You got a real – like I said, and here's a great stat. Shout out to, I think, Horn Sports. I saw it. Last time Texas won a true road game um, with an evening start time, 6 p.m. or later, 2018, Tech. At Tech. Wow. And they've only won three such games since 2014. Evening game on the road. They played in the evening. They don't don't happen very often, but yeah, so I'm saying, like, it doesn't happen that often either, but yeah. Uh, But, Rod. I think you found the word I've been looking for, and it's so simple because Sark mentions it all the time, but consistency. It's the one thing that's plaguing this team because I, mm-hmm. I just – this is how off-kilter it is. Like, if you, if you just look at the drive chart from the Oklahoma State game, that sums it up. I want to give you – this is going to take you – this is the Texas first-half drive chart, and I'll compare it to the Oklahoma State first-half drive mm-hmm. chart. Tell me if you notice a trend. Oh. Texas, interception, touchdown, punt, turnover on downs, touchdown, punt. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, punt. The offense had their stuff together for the most part, Mm -hmm. right? Let's look at Oklahoma State. Field goal, touchdown, punt, 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 touchdown, interception, touchdown, missed field goal. Defense struggled a little bit, okay? But then let's look at Texas in the second half. Uh, Punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt, missed field goal, interception, interception. Oklahoma State in the second half, punt, 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 punt. And then field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, in the game. Mm-hmm. What's eluding this team is that consistent stretch where in two of the three phases, you're playing really good football. Yeah. Then you can put an opponent away. Yes. Yeah. That's why you can't put anybody away. Because there's always – you always leave room open for that other team. Yeah. Because only one of your phases is playing really well. When the offense has it going, the defense can't get stops. When the yeah. defense gets stops, the offense bogs down. In the first half, they 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 that's a, that's when they play their complimentary football. And then second half, because then the defense the starts, you know, exactly. But the defense starts really well mm-hmm. yeah. in that Oklahoma State game in the second half. I mean, yeah, in the second half, right? They, I believe, four straight punts. Yeah, that was your chance. Because I believe at one point of points, you're up a touchdown or even double digits there. Um, and that was your chance if you're Texas. That was your chance. If you score, man, if you score one of those drives, a, a touchdown, if you can get six to seven points out of those three drives instead of what Texas have there. And the offense had three of their first five drives go three and out in the second half. Exactly. And then, again, it goes back to uh, the point, uh, sorry, the play differential that Matt's talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Yep. And then, all, then that comes into play. Yeah. Right? And then, and then it, it amplifies. And exactly. And that's, why and that's what I'm saying. They're tied together. It, it is really, I mean, it, it's a game of inches. And I'm not saying Tech, like I said, Texas is improved. And they are closer, as we're pointing out. Like, yeah. You got, you, you, if you get seven, six to seven points instead of three straight three and outs there, so you'd like a field goal or two field goals or a touchdown there instead, you may put the game away. Because they get, what people don't realize is 
those man, the double digit lead thing is, is psychological, right? It it's all psychological. Because I always say this about as a defender, man, playing with a double digit lead is like going out when you were young with money like on payday as opposed to going out when you were broke as a oh, joke. There's a difference. When you're when you're out and you got money in your pocket, man, your swag is at, at a different level. And I think coaches feel that too and players feel that. You do. You play different. And there have been studies that have done numerous, but teams play differently and they play more aggressively when, and almost more menacing, if you will, when they do play with the lead defensively too. Uh, but when you're you don't have a lead, all right. You, I mean, I think there's a little insecurity there. Um, just like when you go out without some money in your pocket. So I think for for Texas, you know, when you're when they do have that that lead for them now, I think too oftentimes I hate to say it, I think they're thinking about the inevitable collapse yeah. rather than closing out an opponent and putting the nail in the coffin. Like, They're thinking, don't blow it instead of do our yes. job and finish and let's the job. Finish them. It's a psychological yeah, aspect. I, that I, they, I, they might, I know they got a sports psychologist over there. I know it sounds crazy. It might be worth exploring psychologically where you are now. Because like I said, this is habitual now. This and is like where now you, we've got we got five, six, seven different uh, you know instances where had the lead at halftime or had a double digit lead or had a fourth quarter lead and didn't lose it. So I'm with that now. I think they're thinking, all right, don't screw it up, rather than man, let's go, let's go execute. Let's yeah, go execute and, and do what we do. Let's close it out. All the players that go into that machine mode and we just got to focus on the game ahead of us, the process in like, and you really do have to have that mentality even within the yeah. quarter. Not talking about a game or this week or whatever, like even in game, it's like, no, just focus on the next play. No other thing matters. Forget mm-hmm. everything, this play, and then tie the next play. And it makes it really simple and mundane and boring, but you, when you hear like the best of the best players do it, like it's why Tom Brady goes lunatic when people mess up on one play or something, you know? Yeah, and it's like, exactly. it's why Augie Garrido went viral for, it's not about our game, it's about our lives. Because <laughs> like the, the whole focus is, but how do you miss a sign on the first place? It's like, you're not focused. That's what the process is. That's yep. what you live on. Totally agree. Uh, one thing, I, and I would love for this to be the week, guys, that Texas does flip the switch. And because Chris Klein, look, I, <laughs> Don't get too caught up in the way, the manner with which K State beat Oklahoma State, because Chris Kleiman, like Chris Kleiman, Matt Campbell, they're just some coaches in the Big Twelve. They're gonna play one possession games. It's just the style of play they like. Chris Kleiman yeah. plays a ton of one possession games. Yeah. Um. So don't get so caught up in the way it happened. Expect a close game. But one thing I want to hit on real quick, and like I said, I would love for this to be the week that Texas gets it turned around, but. I'm just not going to bank on it happening because, trust me, I'm tired of talking about it as much as everybody out there is tired of listening to it. One thing I want to mention, though, real quick, it does matter which quarterback is playing for K-State, and you do have to prepare for two different quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I want to point out, Adrian Martinez running the football. Crazy. He's got the high, you realize on a team with Deuce Vaughn, according to Pro Football Focus, he's got the highest run grade of anybody yeah. on the K-State team. He's tough to say. 85.1. Uh, and this is how diverse they are with him. Of his carries this year, 13 zone carries, 47 gap carries, mm. 14 scrambles this year, 154 scramble yards. Uh, he's got 615 rushing yards this season. Yards after contact, 258 yards after contact. He's averaging Ooh. about three yards per carry. He averages more yards per carry after contact than Deuce Vaughn does. Wow. Adrian Martinez is in 2.97, Deuce Vaughn at 2.6. Uh, missed tackles forced, Deuce Vaughn 25, Adrian Martinez 14. Wow. So uh, run. this is the one that blew my mind. Gains of 10 or more yards, Rod. Deuce Vaughn's at twenty three. Adrian Martinez is at eighteen. That's crazy. So when you, and what's what's neat about their offense with Colin Klein as a play caller, when you watch it with Adrian Martinez, 
looks a lot like the Bill Snyder Dana, Dana Demel offense with Colin Klein running it. Except mm-hmm. a dude, except with Deuce Vaughn in the back. Yes. Very similar. Yeah, it's added Sproles in there. Man. Here's a different Rod, what was your nickname for Will Howard last year? Will Spill the Pill Howard, but it looked like Will Thrill. He's Will Howard. flinging the pill, and yeah. I mentioned the deep passing game. Mm-hmm. Will Howard this year on passes of 20 yards or more down the field. This is good. How does eight for 13 for 226 and three touchdowns sound? Hey, he he had a he had a gun. Like, he actually yeah. could throw it. He was just so inaccurate and so erratic. But now, and that's a credit. to calm down But a it's bit. a credit to Colin Klein, too, for realizing I got two different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They both do things differently. Yep. Just go play to their strengths. And yep. and the thing is, is the okie dokes like are going to be thrown out by the coaches. They did it last week. You know, they said all week long, Kleinman was talking about how Adrian's, oh, yeah, he's probably He's been practicing. He's all out, going to be out there. And then they go to pregame warm-ups. Adrian Martinez is out there and looking like he's going to play. And then they go to start the game and they throw Will Howard in. And you couldn't have really mm-hmm. two different guys when you talk about a vertical passing game to mm-hmm. a run threat. So right. then now it's twice the amount of work that Texas game plan-wise will be putting into players, half of which is probably going to be useless and you don't know until – the time that you snap the ball. And, and listen, Will Howard can run. We know that. Remember last oh, yeah. We had the 71 yarder or whatever. The 71 yeah, so yarder. I which, as I, I said, was the worst single play that defense had last year. And it's going to be bad weather. It's supposed to rain all day Friday, Saturday night, or Saturday day. It's supposed to clear up by game time, but we're so far away. Yeah. If that is off by six hours, it could still be raining, or it had just rained for 24 hours. It's supposed to get windier once the rain stops. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think I'd rather see Will Howard just because he has yeah, less of a body of work and less experience than Adrian Martinez, but both of them are going to be a problem. For yeah. Texas, just because of the, the run, the dual threat quarterback element. Uh, you got the dual threat element. Let me give you these numbers real quick, Rod. On Adrian Martinez, just throws to the middle of the field, deep middle. He's oh, not a no. great deep ball thrower. Three for eight for one seventy five and a touchdown. No, don't uh, do intermediate it. middle, ten for seventeen for one ninety four and a touchdown. No, short middle, twenty five for thirty three for one sixty six and a touchdown. Behind the line of scrimmage, middle, fifteen for twenty for sixty one yards. Yeah, I mean, as I just and I imagine. You know, a lot of those could be like, like crossing routes or slant routes. I bet too. I bet they run a. Cause I, matter of fact, I know this because they put Deuce Vaughn in the slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did against Texas. Yeah. Well, they put Deuce Vaughn in the slot and they just run a slant. That's to get a matchup on an overshone or Jalen Ford or somebody. So you'll see that they also put two tailbacks in the backfield. I forgot the other tailbacks. Is it Giddens? Something like that. Uh, they'll put two tailbacks in the backfield too. Run some two tailback sets with you. Hell, they'll run I formation. I heard Nick Saban the DJ other day. Giddens. Is it Giddens? Yes. Uh, I've heard I heard Nick Saban the other day say that uh the Tennessee lined up in I formation and his, his players didn't know how to line up. I saw that. <laughs> so at goal like, line, at the one yard line, yeah, they were in I formation. And and like, I Coach, we don't know what this is. Like, like, Saban, come well, on, make sure you don't, as a defensive coordinator, PK, don't assume your guys know how to line up against I formation. They don't see it a lot, and they will see it with the old school fullback mm-hmm. against K State. That's why I love about them. They're they very multiple in the way they present Deuce Vaughn to you yeah. and force you to defend them. Even then, I think that's going back to some of the stuff even they were doing with Courtney Messingham. Like, we saw it in the 2020 mm-hmm. game in Manhattan, the one Texas won 69-31. They did a great job yeah. at isolating Deuce Vaughn. Just moving them around, yeah. man. Yep. All right, we'll see uh, We'll see if Texas can snap this unsavory string of road losses and losses where they got a lead. Maybe just don't get the lead at halftime. Just keep it close and maybe see if you can make a surge without a lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, like, I don't even I get don't giddy know. about Lee's anymore. Just go finish just the damn game. Win. Finish the game, baby. Just win it. Just, just win, baby. Go out, David. There was a yeah. message. There was a thread started on the uh, 
win, baby. <laughs> a threat started on the uh, on the flagship message board, Hornsworth 47. Someone said, man, if Texas goes 3-1 and one or 4-0, how do you want it to happen? I'm like, doesn't matter. Just don't let it care. happen. I don't give a damn how it happens anymore. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of the trend. I'm tired of keeping up with it. I really don't even care. I don't care if you go anymore. wishbone and just decide you're going to run Exactly. Go Wildcat like you did last year. You won a game. Who yeah. cares? I don't give a damn. I just want the dub. All point. that matters That's all we at this care about. Point. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com all right matt thanks for everything man you're more than welcome rod b appreciate the time and the knowledge anytime brother anytime for matt for rod for everybody at the austin radio network and the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 streaming on the horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear rod b each and every weekday on ball don't lie for three to seven shameless plug you can also get myself and craig way each and every weekday on light the tower from 10 to noon and thanks to matt get all of our archives our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.